It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies right here on the Bridge Austin Central Texas Christian Talk, where we are building bridges of love and leadership. I am Coach Carrie Brinkgater. I'm in studio with my beautiful co-hosts, Kathy Innebrock and Marlene McMichael. And, of course, a big thank you to our producer, Gavin, who keeps us... Um, I guess organized <laughs> and straight <laughs> yeah. with our with our timing and all of that. Well, good morning, Kathy and Marlene. How are you ladies today? I'm doing great, Coach Carrie. <clears throat> Just really looking forward to the topic today. Looking forward to the guests that we're gonna have on. And can you believe what is happening at Asbury College? Marlene, I cannot believe you get to go there next week. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I can't either, but I'm very excited about the opportunity and Next week is the National Collegiate Day of Prayer, so we they are doing the 200th anniversary celebration for the National Collegiate Day of Prayer at Asbury, and that was pre-selected. And what we are doing is praying for revival, and lo and behold, it it started ahead of us and ahead of the celebration day. But um, I'm I am pretty confident it's going to continue. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it with my own eyes. I, the the social media posts will just give you chills. I mean I, I've seen it all over. I know Graham Allen has posted a lot about it. Um, it it's really all over social media. Um, and the chapel there it is packed with packed. students. I mean just absolutely packed. And people are just leading worship as they feel led. They're just praying through the night. I mean, it is, it's unbelievable. None of this is scripted. None of it's scripted. No. And, and, and the, the interesting thing is it's not just students because there are people coming from all over. They're, other colleges have actually bused students in oh, wow. just to experience it. And, and others, and many ministers have gone just, again, to experience it. And the interesting thing is that we were already headed there in order to to do the 200th anniversary celebration, but this makes it extra special because that's what it's all about is revival. And and uh, so I'm very excited about the opportunity. And I everything I've read and heard is that the spirit is just very sweet and gentle. It's it's not um, it's not showmanship. It's not hype. Yes. It's just a sweet, gentle spirit, and the Lord falls and brings people to repentance and to worship and to prayer. And, and has been bringing healing, mm. physical healing, spiritual healing, reconciliation, a complete release from addiction, healing from addiction. I mean, it's just getting to see what's on social media. And, and I'll tell you, it's exactly like you said. There's no showmanship or big lights or huge bands. I mean, Toby Mac and For King and Country are not playing there. It literally <laughs> is just a simple guy on a guitar or someone just leading with the song, just gentle and sweet and powerful, mm. powerful what's happening there. Mm. Well, we will be praying for your trip, Marlene, and that you just um, sense the Lord's presence and you can give us a eyewitness report for sure. We're excited about that for you. Well, thank you. I am very excited and I, I do want to encourage people to continue to pray because this is just the tip of what mm -hmm. I believe God wants to do in this country mm -hmm. uh, through revival and through repentance. Um, and, I, you know, one of the reports indicated about, uh, talked about the fact that, you know, the revival was hitting young people and, and uh, somebody questioned that. And, but that's where God's got to go. I mean, it, they are our future leaders. So I really encourage you to pray that, that God has, a full reign, a full uh, lead and, and permission to do all he wants to do and that this country really and the colleges really are swept anew with the fresh spirit of the Lord. Mm. Well, you know, I love that we did a program, Marlene. Actually, you were yeah. prompted to do a program on this last November for our Thanksgiving program all about the initial revival at Asbury in 1970. And then two weeks ago, we had Vicki Porterfield on talking about the Collegiate Day of Prayer. And, you know, it's interesting because um, today's program, we're going to be talking about parents, children, and gender ideology. And it is an equipping 
program for parents. We're going to be talking about gender ideology, what it is, where it came from, what it's doing in our schools, among our youth, in our culture, and how parents can step in with the love of Christ and the authority that he gives us as parents to guide and guard our children. And yet what we see happening on college campuses is that God wants to guide and guard our children and, you know, we have seen, and, and, and Carrie and I have seen this with a beautiful, wonderful friend um, uh, who has a, um, a, a daughter who went off to college and came home and, and completely just struggling now with uh, gender ideology issues and, you know, even to the point of, of wanting a name change or uh, a double vasectomy and just, you know, just really severe things. And it happened at a college campus. And so we need to um, really join in here and not be spectators about what God is doing and willing to do, but to really step in as workers and start to pray um, that God would pour out his spirit on all of these college campuses and start revival and, and um, just bring reconciliation and health and wholeness to the youth that are going to be leaders in the next generation. I'm, I'm just excited about what he's doing, and I have gone in and adopted my college. I have adopted the University of Denver, and that's who I'm praying for. Okay. Amen. Why did you choose that one, Kathy? Well, because Faithy will either be going to the University of Denver or TCU in Texas or um, CCU, Colorado Christian, and I thought, well, TCU has a lot of people praying for that mm-hmm. college. And CCU has a just a wonderful move of the Spirit already there. But DU did not have a single person signed up to pray for that college. And I just feel a real heart connection knowing that faith is going to go there and how secular it was when I went there for the college tour. Very liberal. And literally, they do yoga, Bakri Buddhist yoga in their chapel. That's where they do it. And I told Faith, Faith, why would they be doing yoga in the chapel if yoga was not a form of worship? And she's like, no, Mom, it's, you know, it's, anyway, it's very secular, and I just really want God to do an amazing, amazing thing there. So, Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, um, but those are good choices, and I know Faith will uh, be fervently in prayer about where God is yes. leading her. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I am just looking forward to the future and what God's doing and what God is doing right now. And, um, yeah, he loves our kids. He has great <laughs> plans for our kiddos. He does. Absolutely. And I, I really encourage listeners, again, to em- embrace uh, what's happening and uh, talk to your kids about it. And, and also keep, keep praying that God has full reign to do all he wants to do because mm-hmm. this country really does need revival. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at Asbury College. Now, friends, for those of you who don't know where that is, that is in Kentucky. Um, so a beautiful, beautiful school, beautiful place. And just so thrilled to see what God has continued to do there. Um, well, Kathy, we do have a wonderful program today, wonderful guest today, Parents, Children, and Gender Ideology. Our verse for today Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, Proverbs twenty two fifteen. You know, Proverbs is one of those books, Kathy, that we can read to our kids um, every single day. We used to do this when, when my kids were younger and I was still driving them around all the time. <laughs> um, you know, we would, we would go chapter by chapter on the way to school and just, you know, if it was the 23rd of the month, we would be on Proverbs 23, and we'd read through that real quickly on the way to school, um, or maybe half of it, you know, just whatever, um, depending on the day, the, the, the length of the chapter. And then I would say, okay, kids, what do you hear this saying to you? You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Proverbs is just filled with wise words and really practical life instruction. That is so true. And, I, you know, I love this scripture because it reminds us that, you know, little children should be making little children decisions. Right. And with a lot of guidance, and a lot of counsel, and, uh, you know, sometimes even really gentle discipline. And I think the younger the child, the more gentle the discipline. And, and I, I, I think it's so interesting in this verse. Um, it says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And if you continue on, it does say, the rod of discipline will drive 
it far away, will drive the folly far away. And a lot of people look at this and go, oh, my goodness, the Bible says we should beat our kids. Absolutely not. It actually says the opposite because that same word for rod, it's called shebet. And that same exact word is used in Psalm 23. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so I think our children are, when we step in and guide them and guard them, they are comforted. They are prepared for life. And I think right now with this gender ideology, we are just putting some really huge things on children and sexualizing our children in a way that is just damaging and destroying and hurting their hearts and leading them down a very dark path. Well, it is. And, you know, we have to continue to press in. You know, I'm reminded of a, of a couple of things. You know, we had some some friends that were raising two beautiful daughters. Um, and <clears throat> when the girls were young, there was one girl that was very traditionally kind of girly, you know, and then the younger daughter was definitely what you would call a tomboy. And she had very, very short hair. She was constantly in her basketball shorts and, you know, um, kind of big t-shirt. And, but her parents did not tell her that she was a boy. They did not say, oh, because you like to dress in traditional boy ways and you like hanging out with boys and you like rough and tumble sports that maybe God made a mistake and you are supposed to be a boy. No, 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 no. They just, you know, kind of mentored her through that. And um, I mean, this is the, now this, this young woman is in high school. She, stunningly gorgeous, still plays all the sports, still is incredibly athletic, um, still what you would consider a tomboy, but has let her hair grow out. And, um, you know, she's she is firmly a girl, right? I, I mean, I can remember when I was a child, you know, wanting to be a puppy, you know, and crawling around and, you know, just want to be a puppy, right? My parents didn't say, okay, you can be a puppy, you know, that's a that's a child being a child, and yeah. I think that today we um I don't know we we're really starting to dig too much into a child's imagination and just general curiosity of a young child and how mm-hmm. the world works and putting too much stock in a four year old or a six year old and that you know they want to to change genders. Um, I, I just think it'd be a little more simple if, and Kathy, you put this so well in one of our breaks earlier that you've taught your children that, um, things are best when they, how did you, how did you put it? Things, things worked best whenever they go as God designed or how, how do you say that? Things always work best when they work according to design. According to design. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's very true. I mean, look at relationships, um, Uh, you know, a a man and a woman relationship um, just seems to work best the way that it's designed by God. That's Um, so true. Yeah. Well, uh, Carrie, I'm so excited to share our um, guest with everyone. I want to introduce her because she's going to be coming in on our second segment. Her name is Meg Kilgannon. She is the Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council, previously served at the U.S. Department of Education as Director of the Office Office of Faith and Opportunity Initiatives. She also combines her expertise in education policy with her skills as a coalition builder to promote excellence and accountability in America's public schools. And she has spearheaded dynamic change in her community by organizing parent groups to lobby school board members on really important issues. And her leadership on these issues inspired the Virginia Family Foundation to name her as Citizen of the Year in 2019. She is a longtime advocate for women. Boy, is she an advocate for women, but also for children. And she's a member of Hands Across the Aisle Women's Coalition, where she builds a multi-partisan group of women internationally working to preserve the rights of women and girls. She's married, has four children, is an active member in her church community. She enjoys time with family, hiking, fly fishing, which I love, and reading. And friends, we are going to meet Meg Kilgannon in our next segment. We're going to be talking about 
parents, children, and gender ideology. We're going to get a word from our sponsors right now who keep Love Talk on the air. You're going to want to um, hear all about them and the services that they can offer you. They are our welcome back, friends. It is a beautiful Saturday, and we're so grateful to have you with us. Well, we are talking on Love Talk today about parents, children, and gender ideology. We introduce our amazing guest, Meg Kilgannon, in our first segment, and we're so excited to have her with us and to learn a little bit more about her background, her relationship with Jesus, and what is going on. What is gender ideology? What does all of that mean? And how is it not a partisan issue? Because, friends, it is no longer a partisan issue. Well, Meg is the Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council. We are grateful to have her with us, and we're just going to open this second segment with a question that we use to get to know all of our new guests. And so, Meg, that question is this. Can you share with our listeners how you came to know that Jesus loves you? Well, I have been thinking a lot about that question since I I read it in the materials you sent. And um, it's a really wonderful question to think about because God is so very good and he has blessed me in so many ways. Um, I grew up in a in a very, in a religious home. My, my parents went to church. Um, my grandparents all were people of faith, and so I saw I saw Jesus's love for me and their love and our love for Him, uh, you know, modeled in my home, which is so so important for families. And then as an adult, um, I became Catholic, and the relationship to Jesus in the Eucharist for Catholics is just really really important. And I. I I, I I wouldn't want to just talk about how I first came to know how Jesus loved me, but the wonder of him continually showing me that he loves me in spite of all of my shortcomings and sinfulness is just such a huge blessing and a comfort to me, especially as a mom. Especially as a mom, mm-hmm. I cannot, you know, you just, you have to be very gentle with yourself as a mom because there's so many things that we look at and go, oh, I could have done that better. Wish I had done that. We want to do over. Well, thank you for that. Meg, can you explain to us a little bit? Now, you're a a senior fellow for education studies at the Family Research Council. What exactly is that? The Family Research Council was started in 1983. This is our 40th anniversary year. And we're, uh, we're born out of the focus on the family ministries in Colorado Springs to be a voice in Washington, D.C. for Christians to inform political work and policy work in on Capitol Hill, in the uh, presidential administration, and even in the court system to try to impact all of those spaces on the federal level by bringing a biblical worldview and representing people of faith in those spaces. So I work on education issues at the Family Research Council, and so I monitor what's going on at the U.S. Department of Education. I track education legislation coming out of Congress. Of course, monitor any Supreme Court decisions that might um, that might impact that space. And then uh, through our FRC action team, I also produce the school board boot camp series that we have to encourage people to run for school board. Pray about, consider bringing your Christian worldview into the public school space where our worldview is so desperately needed. School school board boot camp. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so needed here. And is that a nationwide program, this school board boot camp? If you go to www.frcaction.org slash schools, you can see the video boot camp there. We did some in-person boot camps in North Carolina last year, and uh, we would be open to coming to other places to do the in-person boot camps um, if our schedules allow. But the, 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 the material on the website is really good um, for you know, we want to be sort of the gateway consideration for this project. A lot of times people will feel God nudging them in a particular direction, and they, they don't necessarily want to go there. We want to make it something that is, is uh, we're, we're cooperating in that nudge and maybe giving you a little push to do more praying about this topic of whether or not you're, you're really being called to run for school board or what exactly God is calling you to do in this space. Because even if we take our own children out of the public school system, 
We need to make sure that adults with a Christian worldview are in the public mm-hmm. school system in every possible place mm-hmm. so that, that our point of view is represented and our values are, are able to be expressed and reflected in our world. That's uh, really important. We had some very interesting school board elections here um, in Central Texas this past year. And so this is frcaction.org slash schools. We'll have to definitely check that out for our school board boot camp. Now, Meg, throughout your career, you've worked with uh, everybody across the aisle, Democrats, Republicans, independents, to shape policy over your years um, of working in, you know, with your hands right in the middle of government, how have things changed? How are things different? Um, you know, are you able to get your voice across? Um, unfortunately, things are very much more polarized now mm-hmm. than they ha- really ever have been. And it's one of the reasons that I really want to work in the public school space is because that is the place where we are going to have to model the kind of behaviors that we'd like to see out of our our federal leaders and our state level leaders, which is people who disagree with each other, but who live together and who share this institution that is public schools. We have to all get along in that space and we have to have conversations and I'm not going to always get my way, and people who disagree with me aren't always going to get their way, but we're going to have to figure out a way that we can live with each other Mm. and do so lovingly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Uh, um, that can be modeled in the public school system. It's not very well modeled right now, but it's a place where we can practice that. I love that. Having different perspectives, but talking through it. And really, I think, especially in education, thinking about our children and how to raise up that next generation. And so, Meg, can you talk to us about gender ideology and and what are we referring to when we talk? We've heard these terms thrown around a lot, gender ideology, radical gender ideology. What what are we referring to when we hear those words? Um. Gender ideology uh, was a, a big shock to me when in 2015, before the Obama administration had released their Dear Colleague letter that required schools to do this, my school board in Fairfax County, Virginia, decided that they were going to add sexual orientation and gender identity to the non-discrimination policy in our county, which meant that the locker rooms and, and changing rooms and bathrooms would be open to anybody of either sex, um, it would essentially it would make biological sex meaningless mm. or irrelevant. Mm. It, every decision that a, a student would make or that a teacher would make for a student would be based on that student's proclaimed gender identity. Who do they feel? What is their internal sense of themselves dictate that they are, rather than what does their biological reality actually reflect who they are? So. Um, it, it was it's a lot to get your mind around if you really haven't um, you know encountered it previously. Um, it's very simple on the one hand, but very complicated on the other. Um, it is and it is gender ideology is born out of um, queer theory um, in the same way that critical race theory revolves everything around your racial identity um, and and. It establishes your dignity based on your racial identity. The same thing is true here with gender identity. They are considering the dignity of the human person being attached to that gender identity rather than your human dignity as a person, as a child of God. Mm-hmm. Let me ask, what, when the, the policy changed, particularly around the locker rooms and the bathrooms, how was that received by the students and within the school? And also, were um, assaults more common after that? I mean, I've heard they were, yeah. but I, I don't have a basis for that. Well, we, the, the parents in the community were really concerned about this change. Um, and there were huge turnouts to our school board meetings, even back then before, you know, now it's not uncommon to have a lot of people come to a school board meeting, and thank goodness for that. Mm-hmm. But Back then, it really wasn't something that you thought you needed to do uh, because we were trusting the experts to, to educate our kids. <laughs> and and we, we, we went to church with the teachers. We knew the principal, right? We volunteered in the school. So we felt like we were, you know, in touch with what was happening. So when this decision came down, it was a shock to the community. The students um, 
some were concerned and other others had been more politically educated than any than I think a lot of us were aware and so they were a little bit more upset, accepting of it those in the pride clubs and the um, glad type clubs were um, going to the school board meetings and openly advocating for the change in the policy so it was it was a few years later in Loudoun County the, the right next door to me where we had the sexual assault in the bathroom mm-hmm. uh, by a student who was dressing and presenting as a female, but who was actually male. Mm-hmm. So that is the unfortunate and extreme consequence of this affirmation of someone's perceived gender identity. You know, your 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 bodily, your biological reality, the fact of your maleness or your femaleness is important. It is part of God's good creation. And so to think that you can just identify out of that is really very naive uh, at best and um, pretty evil at worst. Well, and it, it always, it strikes me that, um, you know, I read some few articles, well, how does a girl determine that she's a boy? And, and they cite things some, like, oh, you know, parents can generally see it because um, the girl wants to pee standing up. The girl doesn't want to wear a shirt. The, the girl, um, uh, she wants to have her hair cut short. And I'm thinking, Okay, that was me. Oh, that was me. Oh, yep, that was me. I mean, I was surrounded, um, you know, on the playground and stuff. I preferred to play with the boys. I had older brothers. I liked my older brothers better than my younger sisters. I wanted to uh, play football and play baseball, and I wanted to be stand- standing up. I mean, I remember practicing and practicing and practicing. <laughs> but I know it's horrible. I did. Um, Something I never knew about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just look back and go, oh, my gosh, if I had been 12 in 2022, I could potentially be put on hormones right now. And so I've really identified with this. Like, I love being a woman. I have been just you know, a a strong woman, an independent woman, a woman that can have girlfriends and hang with the guys. And so I I just, it it just breaks my heart that they try and identify uh, with very stereotypical boy girl things to, to help these try and, you know, kind of force these stereotypical things on these young kids who just don't know. And what brought this all to my attention was Chloe Cole, this young, beautiful girl. She came to, to talk um, she's talking to state legislatures all through the nation. When she was about 12 or 13, she was really convinced that she was a boy. And so she started hormone therapy. Um, and at I think it's 15, she got a double mastectomy. And then at 16, she realized, oh, my gosh, I have made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. But looking back, there was no one to put on the brakes and say, hey, uh, you need to see a counselor and really counsel through this. Her parents were told, if you don't seek this stuff, you're going to risk suicide and it's going to be your fault. And the parents got no right. support. And so, you know, when we have that sort of a gender identity crisis in the home, Meg, what do we as parents do? Where do we turn? How do we get past this stuff that seems so ridiculous? Well, as a person of faith, I feel almost like I have an unfair advantage over other people because I'm always when I need when I need therapy or my children need therapy, I'm always going to seek a counselor that shares my Christian worldview and um, will approach things from a biblical perspective, right? And who's going to understand how important my faith is to who I am as a person. So it was one of the reasons why in the the film Dead Name, I was so glad that they included people who are in non-traditional relationships or who just simply reject that as even possible. They don't believe in God. They really were the first victims of this ideology uh, because they, they're not, they're, they're going to, to seek help that is specifically not of that character. And so they really were the ones who were first harmed by this. Um, it is extremely important when you're seeking help for your child in this in this area that you're you you identify a therapist who is a believer and who understands that a person is male or female and that that is a part of your psychology uh, of your spirituality of your very nature and that your biological sex is unchangeable 
how you feel about your biological sex is something that can be sorted out in therapy. And honestly, I mean, we do that throughout our lives. I mean, you talked about wanting to see standing up as a child, which I think, you know, I always thought that was pretty cool that boys could do that, right? (laughs) And it certainly was convenient to not have to go back inside when you're playing outside, right, to go to the the bathroom. Exactly. you, you, You also have when we go through puberty, your body just sort of betrays you. And for girls who are used to running around outside and playing freely, now you have these two protrusions coming out of your upper body that are bouncing around and it's really distracting and that is a lot to process you get your period there's just so many things that happen to a young woman when she's going through puberty and also changes to a boy's body when you go through puberty that are difficult to navigate and that difficulty is normal and natural and something that we all go through and to medicalize that discomfort and call it gender dysphoria, um, I, I, you know, I do think that some children do genuinely have gender dysphoria, but I think more often than that, what you have is the normal distress of puberty in a porn culture where we have so much mm-hmm. pornography that is aimed at our children, whether we want to admit that or not. They are seeing things that they should not, that we didn't see when we were their age, and they should not be seeing at the age they are. All of that creates a toxic environment for children that contributes to this kind of ideology taking a foothold, and it and it impacts their beliefs about themselves. So as parents, it is so important that we understand the things that are confronting our children. It was when when my mother was my was raising me, she could assume that I had pretty much the same experience that she had in life. For us parents of this generation, we cannot and should not assume that about our own children. And we have to work very, very hard to understand what our children are seeing, who they're talking to, and what their lives are really like. We have to be the most important person in our children's lives. We cannot outsource parenting. Mm -hmm. I think you've said, talked at it, but particularly a parent who is facing some of this type of um, teaching in their school or, or pressure in school, what, what kind of advice do you give them and what, what do they need to know and what do they need to do? I, I think it's important that when you have the opportunity to opt out of certain types of lessons for your children uh, when they're younger, definitely take that option. Um, when they're older, you need to navigate that more. I mean, you're the parent, so I'm not saying that you co-parent with your child in this. But in some cases, I, I have four children. Some of them felt very um, embarrassed about being removed from a class and didn't want to be made a spectacle of in that way. And so at some point they said, Mom, I know what is wrong with this lesson. I know what they're saying isn't true. Just, I just don't want to have to go to this other room while everybody else is hearing about it. And I also had a child who wanted to ask questions that talked about, you know, the fact that an unborn baby is a living person in a, in a lesson that was about abortion that I might have opted our children out of, but they were able to have a witness in that space. Not everybody can do that, right? That's why it's important for the parents to be in touch with their children. And in so doing, you have to be in touch with their teachers. You need to understand what they're learning at school. Uh, and engage the system at every possible opportunity, right? Talk to their teachers. Uh, talk to the principal. Get to know who is your school board member. Talk to that person. Help them understand that the policies they are advocating for on the school board, at the school board meetings on a Thursday night are, the, are what your children are living with every day when they're at school so that we all are cooperating for the good of children, and not prioritizing adult agendas. You know, that's interesting that you say that, is that there is, there are adult agendas. There are adults out there who uh, believe sexualizing the child at a younger and younger age is uh, somehow beneficial to the child, even though we see uh, just depression rates skyrocketing and uh, just 
some very bad things happening to our youth. And and I, I think that taking them out of the public system, while I mean, I will say I did not raise my children in the public system. I went and did a classical Christian education model. It was fantastic and exceptional education. But just with social media, even if they're not in the public system, they will get exposed to all of this. And I love what you said, Meg. Make sure you are the most important person in your child's life. And one of the things that we've used to educate our kiddos and give them the right perspective is letting them know that everything works better if it works according to design. That the way something was designed to work, that is the way it's going to work best. And God has designed us either female or male. And when we engage and step into life according to that design, we are going to have our best, most abundant, most full life. And there will be challenges. There will be things that are unexpected issues that we're going to have to struggle through, but things will always work best when they work according to design. So, um, And I thank you, Meg, for mentioning that movie, Dead Name. Do you want to share with our listeners what that is? Uh, it's a documentary that um, a, a good friend of mine, um, Brandon Showalter, uh, who writes for the Christian Post, was um, somewhat involved in that produ- the production of that movie uh, or documentary. Um, it, it is a difficult movie to watch. It is. It. I still remember scenes. I, I do this. I do this for a living, right? This is my job. <laughs> so I see a lot of things I wish I didn't have to see. Um, so that I can, you know, protect other people from, 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 especially children from them, right? But even so, as steeped as I am in this, that the movie was very powerful because it. Anytime we're dealing with um, things relationally, you know, Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. We want to have a relationship with Him, and that really is at the heart of why gender ideology is so dangerous because. It interferes with people's relationships. It interferes with your relationship to yourself as male or female. That causes you to be unable to, if, if your parent disagrees that you're not actually the, the, the girl that you think you are, even though you're a boy, right? Mm-hmm. Now your, your relationship with your parents is messed up. Mm-hmm. And of course, your relationship with God the Creator is messed up. And the, all of the ways that those relationships can be interrupted are pretty well featured in this documentary, Dead Name. And that is something I think, you know, we can talk about these things intellectually. We can talk about the, the uh, postmodern um, Frankfurt School uh, communist root of all of this, right? We can, we can use all the words, and, and we need to know those things on some level for policy solutions. But when you're dealing with people, when you're talking to your children, when you are advocating for all the children in your community who are going to the, to the school to be educated, you, we need to understand what happens to relationships when these sorts of ideologies take root. So true. I've seen so many good relationships be so strained by this gender ideology crisis that we have. Meg, I wish we had more time with you. Um, we have come to the end of our segment. Kathy? Yeah, Meg, how can how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, I work at Family Research Council, and you can reach me there. Uh, and, and please do, if you're, if you're thinking about what you can do to, to help protect children in schools, you know, they – we have to, as a society, we must educate our children in a way that they can eventually have the opportunity to have a relationship with Christ, yeah. right? That's the point. It's not that we're going to be uh, proselytizing in schools. It's that you, your education cannot intellectually prohibit you from considering the fact that God is real, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So pray about running for school board and go to www.frcaction.org slash school and check out our boot camp and the other resources that we have there. Um, Excellent. We we really want you to consider that. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you. Well, we've just loved getting to know you, Meg. We'd like to have you on again in the future. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on Love Talk, and we'll look forward to uh, making you a friend and having you back on the program in the future. 
I would love to come back. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, friends. Well, that is the end of our second segment, and we have one segment left. We're going to have a discussion between Carrie, Marlene, and myself, Kathy, and kind of wrap this up for you. And we'll look forward to being with you, friends. Stay with us for the wrap-up of Parents, Children, and Gender Ideology. And we'll be right back, back with you after this to Love Talk here on The Bridge, Austin. Today's Christian Talk. Woo, what an amazing program this has been so far. Uh, friends, just thank you so much for joining us for these first two segments. And we're wrapping up in the third with... Uh, we farewelled Meg Kilgannon, the Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council. She was with us in the second segment. And, friends, if you missed that, you have got to go to our podcast at Love Talk, all one word, just all smashed together, Love Talk Network. Go to whichever podcast uh, site you use, and it'll pull right up. Or go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com, and you can pull up the program there. So much insight around parents, children, and gender ideology, what it is, the impact it has, and what we need to be doing in the home to equip and prepare to guide and guard our children. Well, so Coach Carrie and Marlene, one of the things that really got me was Meg said that what gender ideology is something that um, destroys our relationship with ourselves Mm -hmm. and that it just destroys healthy relationships so we don't have that healthy relationship with ourselves, just loving us loving ourselves how god created us and i think of the first and greatest commandment and it is love the lord your god with all of your mind soul spirit and strength and love your neighbors as yourself like we are supposed to love ourselves and marlene over the break i love that you pointed out You know, this has a lot of issues. There's so many things that keep us from loving ourselves. You know, sometimes it's being overweight and you stand in the mirror and you like hate your body and you're like, oh, why am I shaped this way? Or why can I not get rid of this weight? Or, you know, maybe women, we have problems with the wrinkles. We think, where are all these wrinkles coming from? (laughs) But can you imagine a four-year-old child standing in the mirror um, and And a four-year-old child, you know, doesn't really see sex when they stand in the mirror, but they're becoming so sexualized that they would not embrace what they see and embrace and love themselves the way that they have been designed. And so I I think that has been a real eye-opener for me, that gender ideology really hits at the very root of identity and begins destroying and twisting that identity at a very young age. Agreed. Uh, young children are, there are very few that I've ever seen that aren't just bouncing uh, around and enjoying life. Right. And so for a four-year-old to suddenly not like how he's made mm-hmm. is just mind-blowing to me. It's it, it, it it's not natural. Mm-hmm. That, that alone is not natural. Mm-hmm. So I really think as parents, we have to constantly... Remind our children how much not only we love them, but God loves them and how beautifully and wonderfully made they are. Mm -hmm. And if that is a constant message, you know, it builds self-worth. And that's that seems to be the lack of self-worth self-worth seems to be the root of a lot of this gender ideology. Mm. Would you agree? I Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And I think, you know, social media adds to that. It adds to, you know, oh, this picture is perfect and I'm not. Oh, this couple looks beautiful and I'm not. You know, it just adds to kind of the struggle. And I I also love what Meg said. She she said, you know, um, when she was growing up, her mom could pretty much um, count that they were brought up kind of the same way, right? That they dealt with the same issues and problems. As we bring up our kids, they are not dealing with the same issues and problems that we dealt with growing up. Um, Things are very, very different. And, you know, with my son in public school this year, I have seen over and over and over again kids struggling with things that Kathy, Marlene, you and I, never struggled with growing up 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and and so I think we have to really take that into account. As Meg said, that our as parents we need to be in their lives way more than they want us in their lives. What were you going to say, Marlene? Well, that uh, I was thinking about this just the other day when I was walking my puppy in the neighborhood. And school let out, and there are two elementary schools in my neighborhood, which is a little unusual, but the line of cars in the neighborhood going to pick up children and the parents who were walking to pick up children, I walked home every day from school on a major highway, and it, and nobody ever thought about uh, there being any danger in that experience. Right. That was just part of my life. And yet we can't, in a, in a neighborhood of a few blocks, can't allow our children to do that mm-hmm. uh, because there is danger out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And the sexualization of children is part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's what breaks my heart is that we're taking sex and we're putting it on such a high pedestal and then telling our kids at an age they can't really understand that they have to figure it out. Right. What? No. You don't have to. No. I mean, look at beautiful personality do you like sports do you like playing the violin do you like playing the piano let's go for a walk let's look at creation let's go and marvel at what god has made and what's around us let's step into life and i mean i'll tell you eric and i we have a very fun sex life right i mean and and i think sex is amazing In marriage, it is amazing. And outside of marriage, things start to break and break down. But our marriage is not all about sex. Like, uh, is it important? Yeah. Is it great? Yeah. Does it add to our marriage? Yeah. But it's not the, the end all of our marriage. You know, if something happened tomorrow... And and we couldn't have sex anymore. We'd still have an amazing marriage. And, you know, what breaks my heart is that they are taking sex and this sexualization of our kiddos and making it this huge variable and telling our kids that they have to figure it out. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just breaks my heart. Well, and I also uh, really um, wanted to highlight how Meg said you know, she has kids in the public schools there, um, up there in the Northeast. And on a child-by-child basis, she has four children. She listens to them when it comes to opting in or opting out of certain things going on in the schools. N- now then, what that means is that Meg has to know what's going on in the schools in order to talk to her children about it before um, those programs happen, right? And one of her children was like, no, mom, I, I understand what this is going to be about. I don't want to be taken out. I'm okay being a voice in that room of reason. I really, I really don't want to be taken out. And so she takes it on a case-by-case basis with each of her children. And I think that's hugely important. You know, we have children... Um, that might be more mature for their age and can understand and handle things a little bit better. And then we might have children that are not ready to handle some of these issues yet. And so you do opt them out. But as a parent, we have to know what's going on in order to best protect our kids. One of the best pieces of advice I, I feel like I got as we were moving into the teenage stage was, Carrie, your kids are going to want to push you away right now. You gotta press in. You gotta press in. You gotta, you gotta get in there. You gotta go for walks. You gotta have those conversations while you're driving so nobody has to look at each other. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> go in their rooms at night and just lay in bed with them and just have a conversation. Um, press in. They're gonna push you away. You have to press in. And I think that's so applicable here. And we're running out of time, so I want to say there's one other thing we really need to press in on. And I, I remind the audience again that this Thursday will be the 200th anniversary of the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. So awesome. Yes. And so you still have time, parents, to our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, our single people, to go on the website, and it's org. 
and pick a college to pray for. Pick, I mean, pick the college you like. Pick the college you don't like. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Just pick one to pray for them. Uh-huh. And because what we're asking for is for revival to come to the college yes. campuses. And traditionally, that's where revival does start. And it happens to be this year at Asbury College. And if you haven't gone on social media, do so. Revival has already started. Mm-hmm. It has been going for over one week. They mm-hmm. went to chapel Wednesday a week ago, and they haven't left yet. And there are thousands that were waiting in overflow rooms and thousands that are waiting on the street to get in. And the revival has already spread to multiple other universities. So please pray. Now is the hour. Pray for, for our young people that they would see God and walk with him and be totally who God made them to be. Absolutely. And we're excited for you, Marlene, as you head to Asbury College this week. We may have uh, next week on the program, we may have our on-scene reporter live, Marlene McMichael, roving reporter. That's right. Uh, Yeah, friends, go to Facebook, uh, Love Talk Radio, go to Instagram at Love Talk Radio, maybe Love Talk Network. I'm pretty sure I have it on there is Love Talk. Actually, it's Love Talk Network on Instagram. Go and visit us, and uh, and we're going to be getting firsthand from Marlene about what's going on there. I know it's going to be. It, so it fun. is already amazing, and I'm I'm very excited for the opportunity. Her bags are already packed today. She's ready. <laughs> She's ready. Friends, we are so delighted that you chose to spend your time with us today here on Love Talk. You know how much we love you. You can find us, as Kathy said, on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Um, you can go to our archives at Love Talk Network. We're all over the place, kids. There's no reason not to find us. Uh, you can find us at any time of day or night, um, and you can uh, get get a hold of us there. We'd love to hear from you. We pray for you, friends, and we know that you pray for us. We love you. For my beautiful colleagues, Kathy Anderbrock and Marlene McMichael, I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.